Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Welcome to Mind, Body, and Business, a podcast that explores topics, perspectives, and actionable insight for a strong mind and healthy body, along with empowering conversations to help you handle your business. I'm your host, Maria Moore, and this episode is dedicated to gaining a better understanding of men's mental health. Admittedly, I've only had two male guests on this podcast so far. That was a PJ Morton about 20 episodes ago. And of course, my husband, James Collins, who joined me on episode nine. So now I am aiming to be more inclusive because although this podcast can get girly every now and then, it is designed for everyone. With that said, I'm excited to have licensed mental health professional, author, entrepreneur, and founder of Men to Heal with me today, Mr. James Harris, to lead the conversation. James, welcome to the Mind, Body, and Business podcast. Appreciate you for having me for one, and then two, just to acknowledge that uh, your platform is not only for women, it's for people. Um, I'm just fortunate to be uh, one of the male contributors thus far. And, you know, hopefully now that the floodgates will open, <laughs> a lot of more men to be able to contribute, um, not only from the mental health space, but of course from the physical health space. But um, again, thank you. I definitely appreciate it. So I'm James Harris. I'm a father, veteran, entrepreneur, therapist, um, husband located in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, but mental health is a movement to get men back focused on our overall wellness, that mental health, physical health, and of course, that emotional health. I am a licensed therapist. I'm an LPC licensed in Virginia. Um, and I have a private practice here called the Healing Hub. The Healing Hub is, is just what it sounds. It's uh, pretty much a hub for everything that I see in my community lacking. So do seminars there, first-time home buying, restoration of rights, uh, voter registration, LB, LGBTQ seminars, fatherhood seminars coming up. Just do different segments for men and mental health. Yeah, so you like kind of like the neighborhood Jesus. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> You're doing a little bit of everything. I love it. I love to see it. I love to hear it. I mean, I think every community needs that strong leader and not only just to lead, but to set an example and to create future leaders. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your upbringing? Because that was something that I was reading um, on your website that I felt was so inspiring to consider where you started growing up and then where you are here today. So when I was younger, I was awarded at the state. During this time, therapy was mandatory. It was a weekly scheduled function, a part of being in foster care and or group home. Um, so for me, I didn't obtain as much as I could from it, uh, just based on the fact of it. One, it felt like a check in the box, like ah, uh, he's in mm. he's in a the system. They got to get services. And then two, I felt that way because uh, most of the providers were older white people or older Asian people. It was never a provider who looked like me. It wasn't a, a cohesive, welcoming environment. My dad died when I was five. My mom had uh, epilepsy and, and strokes when um, I was like eight. So that that caused the point of the uh, the foster care system and then group home. You know, so I emancipated myself at 16 and mm. started life. Excelled in high school, went to college. I went to St. Paul's College, which is uh, no longer around, one of the oldest mm. HBCUs in the country. So sophomore year, you know, well, freshman year too, I was still homeless. So during the breaks, winter breaks, spring break and stuff like that, 
that I had to sneak back into the dorm as a place to stay. You know, had a microwave in the car, forming grill in the car. Whatever. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So fast forward though, sophomore year, going into my junior year, I decided I didn't want to do that anymore. You know, so I joined the army, um, did eight years, two deployments, one Iraq, one Afghanistan. You know, I knew I was different. I wanted to be the best version of me for my family. So, of Mm -hmm. course, try therapy. And within trying that again, it just was still not a cohesive process. It was no um, veteran therapists. Most of them were just civilians with education. So that just got me to thinking like, man, this might be something I have to do. If I, if I do it, I can talk to my veterans who have combat experience. I can talk to those, uh, men, especially I can talk to the younger people from urban environments. That's pretty much what I did. So it was different topics, men and mental health, uh, incarceration and mental health, men and substance use, athletes and mental health, you know, so Mm. different stuff you know, and, and different people show up each time because it was a lot of parents who had sons who wanted to be athletes, but don't know the other side of it. I wrote a book, which is called Man, Just Express Yourself, which is an interactive planner guide for boys and men to better express themselves. Yeah. And I love that it's a tool because so yeah. often we're reading things and we don't know how to apply them. So really mm-hmm. breaking that down. And, you know, I want to talk a little bit about something you just brought up about, you know, the athletes coming in and how you can have this big contract and have all of this exposure and be famous and still struggle with depression. One of the things I was looking up uh, about men and mental health and things that, you know, we should know, especially as a woman, for me, as a, as a wife, as a mother, um, as a person who has men that I love in my life, uh, mental health conditions are incredibly common. And a lot of times, men don't realize that, you know, they have a mental health condition or they're struggling with depression. And I think specifically with black men, um, I'm wondering what you're seeing in your practice in terms of black men and the emotional uh, load they have to carry in terms of being leaders. And then we see all of the suppression. We see what's happening uh, to our black men at the hands of police and discrimination. There's so many implications that go into that, that take an emotional toll on Black men. So uh, one, I want to ask you, what are some signs in recognizing that, you know, you know, I may have a mental health condition, I may be struggling with depression, and how can we as women be supportive of the men in our lives? So to answer that, a lot of a lot of men don't know because they're numb and desensitized because they've been in this state for such a long time. You know, whether they started it started growing up with a caregiver or a teacher or somebody saying, suck it up, you're okay, nothing wrong with you. You know, so they became numb or they just became at that ability to where they had to suppress their emotions and things because it wasn't acceptable. Um, but what I do within my sessions and my practice is educate men on different diagnoses. Because a lot of men are dealing with unresolved trauma, complex trauma, um, or grief and don't even know it. Or they lack the education about depression. A lot of men still think depression is a women diagnosis. And, and especially for my athletes, when I re-educate them on what depression is, I've literally heard in session, um, man, I had 12 tacos the other day. I'm, I'm in line to get, be MVP. Ain't no way I'm depressed. That's for cheerleaders. You know, so when I educate mm. them on what depression is and break it down to them, because the, the symptomology of depression uh, can look similar in men and women, but some of them uh, within men is that anger irritability piece that people tend not to focus on. So yes, right. men and women can be de- um, depressed. 
the symptoms can look different. You know, men get depressed and they appear angry, aggressive, standoffish. Um, so the family and friends might just take it up. So he and one of his moves, they might not recognize that the anger is associated with the depression piece. Um, so depression can definitely affect the ability of how you feel, how you think, how you handle day-to-day situations. And for my men specifically, you know, they lose interest in tasks that they tend to normally do, whether it's with the family or their boys or your teammates or even at work. Um, and then, of course, you got those physical signs, too, that men often overlook because they're not getting that physicals in most cases or, or going to that PCP. So heart racing, tightness of chest ongoing headaches, digestive issues. A lot of people oftentimes overlook the gastrointestinal issues as part of uh, mental health issues. It's a physical symptom, but it's, it could be attached to a mental health issue. You know, many yeah. people, uh, have to increase going see, to see their primary care doctor, um, getting their ass checked, dental uh, exams and stuff like that. Not only the physical exams, of course, but then when also when you're hurting a certain age, you want to make sure that you're getting those prostate exams and things because early detection can save lives, but men are dying because they're not going to those scheduled exams. And then, of course, for a long time, a lot of uh, physicians, psychologists, psychiatrists thought the man and body was separate, but now we know they're intertwined. The number one cause of uh, death right now is heart disease. Heart disease can be caused by overstressing, being hypervigilant, um, in addition to those physical symptoms. And you know, of course, if you are not taking care of your mental and your physical, those things can lead to suicide. And suicide right now, uh, men between the ages of 18 and 26 are leading the way of uh, suicide. You know, so a lot of these things can stem if you're not recognizing the signs and symptoms. So to answer the second part of your question, if you are a woman, a wife, a partner, a daughter, or, or a mom, um, or any other variation of uh, a good person taking care of the males in your life, then I, I would definitely suggest uh, two things. One, you can't assist anybody who don't want help. Two, you can't assist anybody who don't see an issue with their actions. So don't put yourself in a, a situation to where you are going to be, it's going to cause you emotional stress or even, even, physical or emotional or abusive language towards you based on the fact that they're not ready. Um, yeah. And I've seen some situations happen to where it can be, hey, leave me alone, or it can become even more aggressive than that. I don't need help, manage your business, whatever the case is. Um, and you just want to be supportive. So don't put yourself in a situation to where it'll feel like they nagging or a chore or, or something to them if they're just not ready. Be safe as you can, whether that is the physical safety or just the emotional safety. But if you still want to push, just do it in a safe way. But uh, you can do it by multiple things. You can send them articles. Hey, this article might help. Mm. Um, and send them different um, people on social media. Hey, I found this therapist. He was talking about X, Y, Z. I have a YouTube channel videos for single moms raising boys yeah, you know just a couple of different things that might be able to help so send them stuff like that um so that way it doesn't feel like a chore to them it feel like something the child doing to yeah them. like not it's, like they're being like attacked or like it's like an intervention or something like yeah, that yeah, yeah yeah i think that's so, really important because again like if you just come and say hey why are you acting like that what's wrong with you you know, anybody would probably be standoffish or like, yo, just chill. I'm going through something. I'll come to you later. Or they might not feel that I can tell you what's going on because you might use it against me. I've seen this being used against me. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. And can we stay there too? Yeah. Um, 
about using it against the man because, you know, I saw this one video on social media and it was a young father and he had his daughter and his baby girl in his lap. She probably was about nine months old. So, you know, people get their baby girl's ears pierced when they're babies or whatever. So he's holding the baby and the mother of the child, I guess his girlfriend or his wife uh, is filming. So he's holding the baby and the lady's coming, you know, with the gun to uh, pierce the baby's ears. And he's like, you know, he starts crying because he's like, this is my baby girl. He literally like physically cannot take it. And he starts crying. But then the wife or girlfriend, the mother on the other side is like, stop crying. You being a, you know, you know, tell them to, t- to toughen up and not cry. And, and I think it's so important as women that we have a safe space for our men to emotionally express themselves without feeling like they're compromising their masculinity. You know what I mean? What, what is that balance for men in terms of maintaining that, you know, that dominant masculinity that men pride themselves of and also being vulnerable enough to cry or to say, I need help or I'm not feeling well. Yeah. So to be in a position to where a man comes to you and is able to display a lot of vulnerability is a phenomenal tool. If you are that partner, that wife, that that teammate or whomever you are, um, because a lot of men were conditioned at a younger age to, you know, have all those things internal. So think about her telling him that and and that was her baby's father. Um, so just imagine if she have a son, then those cycles will probably even be repeated if she were to tell that young boy, hey, don't cry, don't do that. Um, and we see those things carry over to life skills and gender roles, which is unfortunate. Then you have a lot of men who are adults now who don't want to do certain things because they view it as a gender role and not a life skill. If we can take something like um, how many parents you know that have young boys that want to do gymnastics or use an easy bake oven or uh, play with dolls, right? Think about it. Those are life skills. Eventually, mm-hmm. the doll, you know, is going to manifest itself to be a person. They're going to need to know how to interact with men and women when they get older. That easy bake oven is a life skill. They're going to eventually know how to cook, how to bake, or whatever the case is. Gymnastics, of course, as a physical dominant alpha, alpha male, you're looking at like, nah, my son not doing that. He's about to play football or box or basketball. Doing gymnastics will assist with the dexterity, the flexibility, and so many other things that men can use to prevent physical injuries when they are playing those male dominant sports Um, but when those things happen for the young men when he's young and they tell them to stop doing those things what happened you get guys who are older 22 30 probably even older uh who's waiting on the woman to cook now when i was younger i was told don't i ain't cooking that's with women so now you know this woman been working all day she get home still got to cook and he's been there what all day probably playing a game like why didn't he cook you know so i've seen some of these things uh in my sessions doing marriage counseling you know they view it as gender roles and not necessarily life skills and those things are hindrance so in addition to boys don't cry men don't do that you know all of those things you start having that war internally not only with yourself and then it spills over to your relationships and then we got another issue because the communication is already lax the the boundaries are are not as enforced and then so many other things. So I think we have to view these things as, as human qualities and life skills opposed to specific gender roles. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. And crying is a human trait. You know, yeah. showing emotion and displaying emotions and feelings are human characteristics. We have emotions. We have the ability to process our emotions. So a man shouldn't be, or a boy shouldn't be chastised for displaying those characteristics, whether it's crying or whether it's uh, just saying, hey, I need a moment. I don't feel like myself. Have that man have a safe place to land. He's already getting it enough from the world. Yeah. On his way home, he's hypervigilant, make sure he ain't, being followed by the police or somebody else or he's at work he's probably not in a position that he want to be mentally or physically or financially to provide for the family so he's probably trying to work overtime or trying to figure it out you know so it's a lot of lot of other external pressures on him in addition to the pressures that he's probably putting on himself to be what society is deeming as a good man or a protector and provider which is unfortunate too because society has uh, reduced protection and providing to money, you know, not necessarily. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Protecting and providing is also ensuring, like my man did, he was protecting mm-hmm. and providing for his baby girl to show that emotional and and that empathy of her crying, you know. Yeah. But that's not labeled as providing and protecting. So you get a lot of only financial connotations with that, not knowing like where's the emotional at, where's the the other connection at. You know, he's probably providing a lot of financial, but is he showing up to the child games? Is he there emotionally when a teenager need to talk about the relationships? You know, is he there physically at different functions and stuff? No, because he's out thinking that providing you know, is that society just cutting a check? Yeah. Work myself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I I think that that is definitely a stigma that we have to get over. I want to talk a little bit, James, about protecting your mental health. We had a pretty intense discussion about this on the morning show. We were talking about Tyree Nichols and how a lot of health professionals are kind of coming out and saying, Hey, you know, you don't have to watch the video. You know, it may be too much for you to see, And then there were others who were saying, well, you know, you're really obligated to watch. You should watch it as a way to support uh, the family. And I think sometimes we compromise our mental health for the sake of supporting someone else. We strip our emotional state, our emotional well-being, because we're trying to take care of someone else or a situation that is depleting us. So what are some protections that we should have in place and how can we set those boundaries without feeling guilty? To address the support piece, you definitely can support as well as acknowledge uh, without subject- subjecting yourself to viewing or listening to that audio of something that's traumatizing. Vicarious trauma is a thing. So what I did personally, I created a different video on my page that says viewer discretion advised, but it was uh, Black men smiling. <laughs> yeah, people probably thought it was the video, but it was me explaining, hey, it's so much trauma in the world, da 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 you don't have to view it. Here's a video of Black men smiling. So yeah, I love it. I love it. Other <laughs> celebrities on there. Um, but yes, when you don't enforce your boundaries or, so just think about it like this. I think a lot of people are cautious with they ingest in our body from a nutritional standpoint, right? I'm not going to eat that. I don't want to get diabetes or hypertension or just be obese. But you have to do that too for your mental 
You have to be careful what you are listening to, what you are reading, what you are watching, because those things can take a toll on you. Or you'll start characterizing your position in the world as to in comparison to somebody else's. So just think about it now. In the last recent five years, we've seen more Black men die at the hands of police than we've seen probably at any point. So as a Black man, I'm internalizing those things as a connection of, hey, man, that can be me, you know, Mm -hmm. or my wife or my kids are looking at these things and now they, dang, that can be my dad, that can be my brother, that can be my coworker, that can be my teammate. So when you're constantly watching these things, you're starting to subconsciously put yourself and or the people around you in those positions, which can be detrimental because now you're creating uh, intrusive thoughts that you don't need, which is classified and, and can uh, increase your ability to have anxiety. But you're also just putting yourself at risk for receiving too much trauma. So let those things go. And, and when you talk about boundaries, um, a lot of people have boundaries, but not everybody enforced our boundaries. Mm-hmm. Well, that you can start enforcing is I, I heard about it and keep it right there. Or I've seen, you know, at the minimum of what you've seen or heard. And it's it's still a way that you can glorify that person that uh, has that untimely demise, but you're not consuming yourself with it. You're not looking at the videos or resharing these images. Right. Um, and another part of that too is these people have families. These people were victims. So every time it is reshared or retalked about, just imagine how that parent feel or that, that brother or, or that child feel. So those things, we have to pause it right there just to ensure that we're not continuing to add to the trauma of these people, you know, the people that's left here to think about that loved one. Thank you so much for that. I I hope that's something that everyone listening considers, um, you know, those boundaries and really protecting your mental health. You know, I want to get back to your book. Um, One thing that I love to do in this podcast is offer what I call actionable insight. So no matter where someone is in their wellness journey, their fitness journey, personal, professional, they can take these tips and put them into action right now. So from your book, I know there's so many parts of it that you love, but what would you say would be a one, two, three, three things in terms of actionable insight that folks can do to improve their mental health? Yeah. Um, oh man. So just Are you only three. <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah. just three. Like no, every phase. Just just give me your one, two, three. So one, um, what a person can do is ignore the perception of others. You know, be your authentic self. Don't worry about comparing yourself or don't worry about the noise from other people. You know, ignore the perception of others because you don't, you'll put yourself in a position to always try to measure up to something that's not even validated towards you. Two, you can put yourself in a position to, like I said, not too long ago, was in enforcing your boundaries. You probably have boundaries, but they probably become too loose or not as rigid as they can be. So enforce them. It's okay to say no or not right now, or I'm not doing that, regardless of who that person is. I know some people get loose to when it when when mom call you, drop everything, or or when your boss say, hey, I, I need to add this. No. Ooh, yeah. It's a way to enforce your boundaries. Um. And then thirdly, let's see, um, take some time for yourself. And that time can be just a 
10 second deep breath at your desk at work or walk um, when you get off work, you know, just take some time to yourself so you can recalibrate uh, everything within you, you know, stretch from your head all the way down to your toes, listen to white noise if you need to do some deep breathing exercises, but taking time to yourself is definitely beneficial um, to calm your thoughts down, be in mindfulness of the moment. So listen, listen to what's going on around you, smell what's going on around you um, or put your place, put your in a place outside of this imagine yourself at the beach feel the sand between your toes smell that salt coming off the water you know listen to the waves um, but that 10 seconds or more can definitely assist you in your day breathing especially you know when I'm shifting from doing one thing to the next sometimes I'm just go 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 and I just need to breathe and be in the moment and it really does make a huge difference and I love that you have a board game that incorporates mental health, because I, I think that it kind of makes it, I don't know, kind of like more consumable. And then you're, you're just really into it. So tell me, how does the board game work? The board game is called Cheesy Dates. It's for adults, uh, whether you're in a romantic relationship or platonic relationship. Uh, you can play it with your girls night. You can play it one-on-one with your partner. You can play it with a group of other couples or individuals. And it comes with uh, two card decks. One card deck is different date ideas. You know, sometimes people run low on spontaneity. You get tired of the movies or, yeah. or out to eat, you know, so it's over 45 different date ideas, right? So you um, roll the dice, you land on the calendar, then you pick a date idea, you write it down. Y'all do that. So if you plan with your girls, you know, your girls take that trip. You plan one-on-one with your partner, all right, cool. You write that down, you take your partner there. Um, and the next card deck is different questions that you should ask throughout your relationship, uh, or just to gain that insight from the people that you plan with. So it's questions in there on sex, on finances, on social issues, you know, just different questions that people have that fear of asking. So this is an interactive way to do so without being uh, embarrassed or judged. So hopefully you're not with a partner to where you can't ask these questions and get them answered. But yeah. sometimes you never know. You might just be scared of how they react. So like all the cards are from questions in which I've heard by doing therapy. So uh, one example is, uh, would you take care of me if I had to leave my job? So many women are looking at that question like, I don't know if I can take care of a grown man. Yeah. You know, so those things come up. And I put that card in there because I actually had a couple and that happened. They was married five years, had three kids. Husband put the wife through school. She got her bachelor's. So he was like, hey, babe, I want to take six months off from work, get this HVAC cert. I can start my own business with this, blah, blah, blah. And she looked at him and said, I'm not taking care of no grown man. As a partner who's been married to you for five years, who has three kids by you that still was her response so just the thoughts of how people view the societal um stigmas um and it might be some questions in there to let you know like uh this ain't the person i want to be with. right that is good it's kind of like a screener <laughs> like you screen yeah, exactly. the person you can do it yeah. while you're dating and or if you're married um because a lot of times too like you don't know like you think about it like a lot of people are married based on attraction not necessarily compatibility you know right. so, if an issue arise or a conflict arise or just, you know, um, turmoil arise, you don't know how this person is going to react. I'm just fortunate that it's been a tool that's been working. It was uh, picked up last year by a series. So now it's just, it's, it's pending. So I don't know. Yeah. What's going on. 
Well, uh, some great things are going to happen for you, brother, because you just, yeah. you have incredible energy. Um, I do have one last question for you before we wrap up. And it kind of goes back to the beginning and, you know, the foundation of Men to Heal. And so often in general, we hear stories of people who have experienced similar hardships that you have, you know, uh, being a ward of the state, being homeless, uh, you know, at some point during college and facing so much adversity at a young age. What was the thing that that helped you keep going and what advice do you have for people that may be going through some turmoil right now and and can't see the end inside or the bigger picture? No, yeah. So I mean that's a that's a tough question, but it's one that I probably get asked a lot. Um, because I have a younger brother and a younger sister. My younger brother, of course, has similar walk, but he turned to a life of crime, I guess. <laughs> It's just tough. So uh, we as people have different resiliency levels. So what I endure might not be how you endured it. Even even with trauma, it can be we can witness the same event or go through the same catastrophic event and have different outlooks on our bodies just based on our resilience and based on where we are. Um, But that doesn't mean that we weren't impacted or affected by it. So I think for me, I just had that internal um, drive and tenacity to see that I wanted to obtain something different. And and my point of emancipating myself at 16 was that very moment. I remember a, a week before I emancipated myself, I sat on the edge of the bed and I said, if they can feed you, they can starve you. You know, so that's like a metaphor for life. So I never yeah. put anybody in control of me eating, not just from a, a nutritional standpoint, but from, you know, I, I want to own my own business. I want to have my own education. I just want to put myself in a position to where somebody can, can't say I'm taking this away. Like somebody can't say, yo, you're fired. Don't come back to work tomorrow because now you're controlling how I eat or controlling, you know, my resources. I'm established enough to put myself in a position to feed myself. Nobody is ever going to be able to starve me, you know, so that became my motivating factor. Um, And of course, now as a father and a husband and as somebody in the community, that still is the priority to assist other people on feeding themselves, not just necessarily with food, but with resources, with tools, with activities and access and availability to information, because realistically, Look how many men who are probably going to be touched by this, be like, oh, there's a black male therapist out there. Or how many people are going to say, oh, we got a board game for relationships or I'm a, or for my girls night. We do girls, we do game night already. Let me get this and let me enhance the knowledge that we already have. Or it's going to be somebody out there. Oh man, my son can use that book. You know, so I just want to be in a position to be able to assist. Even with the YouTube channel, it's going to be people that scroll in and be like, we was just talking about this. Let me send my homegirl with them with them two boys, you know, this video on single mom raising boys. So I just want to be able to fill the void of not having, you know. I love that. Thank you for sharing because, you know, people who are going through it and think they can't go through it. Now they have a reference that it can be done. And I think that's powerful in itself. So James Harris, licensed mental health professional, men to heal founder, remind us once again how we can stay connected with you, how we can buy your book and the board game. 
the easiest way to connect with me to get the merch, the shirt, the hat, the board game, the book, uh, to subscribe to the YouTube channel, request me for a speaking engagement. All of those things can be found on my website, www.mentoheal.com, www.mentoheal.com. And also, of course, my social media is on there. Uh, IG is men underscore T-O underscore H-E-A-L. Uh, the YouTube is men to heal. Um, but yeah, everything is right there on the website, men to heal.com. That's awesome. There's so many layers to you. I'm trying to wrap up this interview and then I'm thinking, Ooh, you got such an entrepreneurial story. So I got to get you back on to talk about entrepreneurship as well, but, uh, continue blessings to you, brother. Really appreciate this conversation, how insightful it is, how healing I know it's going to be for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate you having me. I'm glad you accepted the invitation. I'm glad we can assist, uh, and elevate those minds out there because people do have these questions for the males in our lives. So I'm glad we're able to continue contribute just a portion of it and hopefully now they do the work and and you know find the additional resources love that and we are here for it again we appreciate you mr james harris of men to heal make sure y'all check him out and stay connected all right that's a wrap for this episode of mind body and business be sure to follow share and subscribe i would also greatly appreciate a rating or review remember new episodes drop every wednesday plus you can stay connected with the mind body and business podcast at mbb pod on instagram and facebook feel free to shoot me a dm if you want your question answered in the podcast as always i enjoyed this time with you truly appreciate your ear and look forward to another empowering conversation on the next episode take care mind body and business is an urban one incorporated reach media production hosted by me maria moore follow me at maria moore m-a-r-i-a-m-o-r-e on all socials executive produced by maria moore senior director of podcast operations sierra reed Supervisory Producer, Colby Cope-Tyner. Director of Sales and Corporate Partnerships, Michelle Marino. Integrated Marketing and Partnerships, Lori Flowers, Laura Lopez, and Brittany Jackson. Digital Marketing, Walter Gaynor, J.R. Davis, and Tim Hall. Music produced by Jamal J. Soul Smith. Thank you for listening to the Mind, Body, and Business Podcast.